All right, guys, once again, as promised, I got Bid Bolton with me in the studio. Once again, we got a lot to discuss today with MLB. Y'all know he's been on the past MLB podcast with me. We got NFL too, but first, Bid, say what's up to the people. What's up? What's up? Um, we got lots of good stuff coming in for y'all. Again, like I said, so many huge MLB moves. Paul Goldschmidt to the Cardinals. We'll get to all that here in a few minutes. First, let's talk a little NFL here, Bid. So, obviously, huge loss this last week for the um, Saints versus the Cowboys. I mean, that was that game was crazy, man. I mean, do you think this shakes the MVP race up a little bit? Uh, I think it does because Breeze did not have a typical Drew Breeze game. What did he throw for? Like 120 yards or mm-hmm. something? It was just horrible. Game-losing interception? Like, yeah. I mean, the Cowboys' defense, they're, they're solid, but they shouldn't be doing that. Drew Breeze should not have a game like that against them. He has no excuse. And especially when Pat Mahomes is doing what he's doing, I think that that I think he's the clear cut MVP at this point. Really, see, I think the MVP really race still has a lot to do do, and I still think that right now, to me, there's no clear front runner. My front runner currently is Todd Gurley, though. And see, my biggest thing is I think it comes down to who gets home field advantage because all these quarterbacks' numbers are really are really similar. Yeah. I also think that Jared Goff, I mean, he's right there. He's fourth in passing yards with all these guys. I mean, he's top 10 in uh, touchdown passes, I believe. He's like six in that. So, like, he's hanging around right within striking distance of all these other quarterbacks. But I think, to me, the biggest thing is that Todd Gurley, I think, is the front runner with all these quarterback numbers they've been putting up. He's first in the league in rushing yards. He's uh, 67th in the league in receiving yards. So, I mean, he's got almost 500 yards receiving to go along with his rushing stats. And then he's he's got uh, 19 total touchdowns on the season, 15 of those rushing. So, I mean, if he breaks the uh, – I, mean, I think LT set the record at 31 total yeah. touchdowns for a running back. So, if he's able to break that record, I think he gets MVP no matter what. I know I said in the past that I thought that this award was going to go to Drew Brees just because he's never won an MVP. So, I feel like it's a lifetime achievement award. But – I mean, like you said, Mahomes and Mahomes, uh, Goff, Gurley, all yeah, these and, guys. And one thing that I'll say about Pat Mahomes too is, I, I I may have spoken too soon saying clear cut because this could change now with Kareem Hunt out. Uh, Pat Mahomes is going to have to carry a lot more of the load than he already was, and he's already car- he's already carrying the load. He's, he has forty three total touchdowns already this season. That's more than twenty eight different teams have scored this year. So he's already carrying the load a good bit, and he's going to have to step up even more without Kareem Hunt. So. I think he's up to the task. I think that he's. I think he's going to win MVP, but I. I. It's too early to say clear cut. I, I do have to walk back on that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you though that I think Mahomes is the easiest chance of snatching this from from one of the uh, three a- NFC players, just because he's losing Kareem Hunt here, so his team's facing adversity. He's already putting up good stats. If he continues to produce the way he has without Kareem Hunt and takes his Chiefs team to the first place in the in the AFC. I think it absolutely means yeah. he gets he gets MVP. I mean, I can't rule out Brady here. I can't rule out Russell Wilson as well. Tom Brady. I mean, <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. I still think that Russell Wilson has a lot of work left to do. But if he gets yeah. this Seahawks team in the playoffs, I mean, after losing all these stud players to the NFL, if you look at his supporting cast, I'd say it's probably the third to fourth worst supporting cast in the NFL. I mean, just the fact of what he's doing with all these teams, I can't rule out Russell Wilson here at all. He could come from behind. I think that there's a lot left in this MVP yeah, race. Yeah, I get that. And, I mean, with the Seahawks, too, this is probably the worst Seahawks team that Russell Wilson has ever been on. Easily. So the fact that they're able to hang around the way that they have been, the fact that they're not in the middle of a 4-12 and season or 5-11 and mm-hmm. season, that's enough to keep Wilson in the conversation right there. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, yardage-wise, Russell Wilson's not really keeping up with them, but every every other aspect of the game, I mean, where he runs the ball a lot more than these other quarterbacks yeah. do. Like, he's above them in rushing yards. 
He's got almost as many touchdowns as all of them do. I mean, he's putting up the numbers you need to see, and he's had some huge wins, like winning versus Green Bay on Thursday night. Barely, He barely lost to the Rams both times. It was within possession. I mean, beat Carolina at Carolina. Obviously, Carolina's lost a lot yeah, on the defensive Car- side. And they're falling out. apart. Carolina's out of gas right now. They've yeah. Just, the last month or so, they've just looked horrible. That's what I'm saying. He was he he th- tried to throw a game-winning touchdown against the Chargers. Didn't work out. I mean, he was one play away from yeah. beating him. Like, if you look down the schedule outside of the first two games of the season, Russell Wilson has been pretty much unstoppable and has been balling out of his mind lately. And I just feel like the way he's got Seattle running. It's gonna to be tough to beat him. I mean, his his number one receiver like DJ Moore and uh, Tyler Lockett. Doug Baldwin's yeah. been hurt all season long. Yeah, I mean, you pointed out his losses too. I mean, to the Rams, to the Chargers in a close game like that. The fact that he was able to keep it close with the team that he has around him mm-hmm. that that's really impressive. Yeah, and at Denver and at Chicago too. Yeah. I mean, we know Denver is probably a top three to five most hostile environment in football mm-hmm. to pro football to play in. I mean, Chicago's defense is something else, and he lost by three to Denver and he lost by seven to Chicago both those games on the road so I mean every single loss he's had has been under has been by one score or less seven points is his largest losing margin of victory this season yeah, he, no matter what happens he's been able to keep them in the game all mm-hmm. year. a lot of respect and that's Russell all him so I mean Russell Wilson's my dark horse right now to snatch it from all these guys but at the end of the day I think it's going to end up being whichever one of these teams gets first place and has the best record in the NFL I think that's where the MVP is going to come from the only real thing that I see hurting the Rams is the fact that Goff and Gurley are so high up there that that might hinder them a little bit. Yeah, I mean, if people that are because a lot of people that are based out west that watch the Western Time Zone mm-hmm. games more often than the Eastern Time Zone games, they're more biased like that. But again, like you said, it, it, since it's both of them, it's going to split the vote. There's going to be a lot of the guys looking at it like the Rams are here. Jared Goff did a great job. I'm gonna I'm gonna vote for him. There's gonna be the same uh, same people doing the same thing for Todd Gurley. So it's mm-hmm. and it's really gonna be a toss up because of that. But I really think that if Mahomes is able to hold it down with Kareem Hunt out, he's gonna be the clear cut winner. But if he's not, then I gotta agree with you on Todd Gurley. I think Gurley's just what he's been able to do, even even sacrificing some of those stats. Remember he uh, yeah. went down to. Uh, Screw over all those people. All the betters, dude. On the over. Yeah, luckily I was on the Packers <laughs> and the under, so I mean, worked out for me that day. But anyway, that's why you picked him for MVP. <laughs> yeah, You're no. You money. Yeah, exactly. Uh, let's look here now. I mean, everything's starting to become a little bit more clear cut in the NFL as we move here to the end of the season. Uh, our current NFL standings for the AFC. I mean, the Patriots. They're nine and three now. I think it's pretty. I mean, obviously the Dolphins aren't eliminated yet. I think it's pretty clear cut yeah, there. They're going to win that division. The Patriots got hot at the right mm-hmm. time too. I don't think there's. I don't think the Dolphins stand a chance. Exactly. And they play at. Then they they're closing out the schedule at the Dolphins. I mean, they could take care of them right there and put oh, it out yeah. of reach. If they don't take care of it there, they play at Pittsburgh. Could be another difficult game. But then they get the Bills and the Jets. I mean, surely they would win both those games yeah. and finish out. I just feel like the Patriots will there's no way that they lose that they only win one of those games yeah, left mean, on their schedule. It, it looks to me like worst case scenario they go 2 and 2. Mm-hmm. And that's that's still what are they now? 9 and 3, so they'd be an 11 and 5 season like yeah. still just that's what I'm saying. And they're still in contention for the number one seed. I mean, you yeah, could never... Yeah, especially like with Kareem Hunt out, too. That opens it up. That makes mm-hmm. it that much uh, more difficult for the Chiefs to keep it up. Yeah, my weird theory was that Belichick leaked Belichick the video. Leaked the video. <laughs> Belichick leaked the video so the Pats could win. I mean, tell me. I'm, I mean, I mean that, that, that's a pretty Patriots thing to happen to. I'll believe it. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. So Let's start that rumor here, right now, today. Mm-hmm. Blame Bill Belichick. Belichick leaked it, baby. It's his league. We're just playing in it. But... 
AFC North, we got Pittsburgh at 7-4-1. We got the Ravens at 7-5. I mean, these are really the only two teams that can win the division here. Pittsburgh's remaining opponents at Oakland. I mean, surely you think they would walk over Oakland yeah. this week, although they have played bad the last two weeks, I will say this. So they look to I think the game will be a lot closer than people think it'll be, especially since game James Conner's out. But I think they take care of business here. Then you play the Patriots. I think the Patriots will get them. I mean, I Mike Tomlin can't beat the Patriots. Though. Yeah, that's that. Uh, yeah, that might. Yeah, they might have. Who do they have after that? Oh, yeah, they're definitely at New Orleans and versus oh, the Bengals. Yeah, it's yeah, gonna that's that's gonna be tough. No, it's definitely gonna be a tough. It's not easy. It's not easy slay for the Steelers at all right now. I mean, it's they're gonna. It's gonna be a trek here. But then you go look at the Ravens. I mean, they're at Kansas City this week. I mean, Lamar Jackson's been three and zero since they put him in here and ended the three game losing streak. They still have to play. Uh, they get Tampa and the Browns at home at the Chargers. I mean, that's still not an easy schedule by any means. Tampa's yeah. been hot lately since Chargers they put Jameis nice back too. in. That's what I'm saying, man. So, I mean, this division's very up for grabs. Both these teams could go 2-2, two and two, which would obviously favor the Steelers. I think one of these two teams gets a wild card berth as Baltimore yeah. is currently in, in a wild card spot. So, I mean, there's still teams competing. The Dolphins are still competing for a wild card in the AFC South. You still got the Colts, the Titans, and the Broncos. All those teams are six and six to the seven and five Ravens. They're in there with the nine and three Chargers in the AFC West. Uh, I mean, the Texans I think have got the AFC South in the bag. You go look at the rest of their schedule. They get the Colts at home this week. I mean, I feel like that's a pretty winnable game. They're at the Jets, at the Eagles versus the Jags. I feel like the way the schedule plays out, they lose two games at worst. They're still in contention here, though. For first place, this seems like a team of destiny. I mm-hmm. mean, they lost their owner early on. They lost their uh, most famous supporter in George H. W. Bush. They lost both of those guys. They got Deshaun Watson coming back from injury, being able mm-hmm. to do what he's been able to do. Coming back, they started out zero and three, and now they have a shot at the number one seed. Like it's, it, it, they look like the team of destiny right now. I don't know if I don't know if I would call them front runners by any means, but they look like a team of destiny right now, and I definitely have to keep an eye on them. I picked the Texans to go to the Super Bowl and play the Falcons. They lost their first three games this season by a possession games that could have gone either way in games where they really they were getting outscored. I think they got outscored by like a over forty point differential in those first three halves combined, and they outscored the other team substantially in the second half. But it was more of a too little, too late kind of thing. Yeah. I agree with you. The te- Texans are the team of destiny here. Deshaun Watson. I pretty much watched this man play almost every single game of football he's played at the collegiate and professional level. I've never once watched Deshaun Watson play and been like, well, Deshaun Watson could have done more for me. And, I mean, he turned the ball over a lot, granted. But, I mean, even against Pittsburgh in that game, he had over 500 yards of offense and five touchdowns. I mean, yeah, he had four turnovers, but still. He does everything that he can possibly mm-hmm. do to help the team win. Exactly. And they have a stacked defense. I mean, mm-hmm. I think the Texans are the team that everyone has forgotten about here. They are hot. I kind of hope for their sake that they lose a game here, just as kind of like a learning experience yeah. and just because they've been so hot. Because you know you're kind of due to lose when you win so many in a row. But I really think the Texans can go to the Super Bowl. I think they're a front runner. To me, I don't have the Steelers in front of them right now. I think the best teams in the AFC right now are the Patriots, even though the Chiefs lost Kareem Hunt, and the Texans. And I'm tempted to take yeah. the Texans over the over the Patriots right now. Uh, I think the Chargers as well have a chance to kind of mess things up. I don't take the Steelers or Ravens or any other team in the AFC as a series contender. Yeah, I, I mean, the Steelers, it's like they're always hanging around. They're always there. They're always going to have a shot at the playoffs, but it's – it, it just hasn't been the same this year. I mean, obviously, they, they blew out Atlanta, which I'm still pretty uh, pretty upset about. But, I mean, outside of that game, they haven't looked like the dominant Steelers mm-hmm. of the past. And, I mean, and obviously, they're missing Le'Veon Bell, but James Conner stepped up, and he's been playing very well. But it's just hasn't been yeah. enough to be the dominant top-tier 
Pittsburgh Steelers team that we're used to seeing. They're the most penalized team in the NFL, so they've been playing undisciplined, and it cost them huge in that Chargers game where they jumped off sides on that first mm-hmm. field goal. I mean, I don't really blame them for jumping off sides on the rest of them. I mean, you're just trying to block it at that yeah. point and get something. You know the game's pretty much over. 31-yard field goals, a piece of cake. But they've played very undisciplined. They've struggled to find a run game at the beginning of the year. Then they were really hot when they had the run game. They're kind of struggling again. I mean, I think the Steelers could still get back on track. I've said this all season long. Not a rule them out, and they, they will get back on track. So I still think Pittsburgh's going to get back on track. I mean, yeah, but, but with James Conner out too, it the Ravens might be able to jump them here. The Ravens might be able to win that division. I think they'll handle Oakland this next week. I think it'll be a lot closer game than they want, and I think they're going to have to battle down to the end. Like right now, Oakland's like a 14-point underdog. I'm definitely going to take Oakland with the points. I think that's a pretty safe bet. They're like, I think it's plus 13 or something like that. I'll definitely take Oakland with the points, but... I mean, if you just look down the rest of the schedule, next week's going to be a tough game versus the Patriots. I don't know if they can win. They definitely cannot win that game without James Conner yeah. at the Saints. They cannot win that game without James. I don't think they win that game with James Conner. I don't with, even with James Conner. I don't think they can go into mm-hmm. New Orleans and beat That's the what I've been preaching. That's why we'll get to it in a second why I think the NFC is the one seed so big. But, I mean, versus Cincinnati, Cincinnati's given up. They're starting to hold everybody out. And they got Jeff Driscoll playing quarterback at this point. So, I think they're kind of fine there. But, I mean, it's not going to be an easy finishing to the season for the Steelers. they got to finish strong. So, I think 2-2 two and two is a realistic finish for them. It's really going to come down to the wire. I don't think that they'll, do any, they'll make any noise in the playoffs. I think the most dangerous teams is Kansas City if they're at home. You're not going into Arrowhead and beating them. They beat Seattle's record. I mean, we watched Brady. I think it was... Four, three or four years ago, go in there on a Monday night and play against them, and everyone said, oh, Tom Brady's about to retire, he's done, and then yeah. he came out and still took the Patriots to the Super Bowl, so I mean, or actually, no, he took, them to the, he took them to the playoffs, I don't think they went to the Super Bowl that year, but regardless, I mean, yeah, it's 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 crazy, man, to watch yeah. everything play out, but let's move here now, actually, no, they did win the Super Bowl, that was when Pete Carroll passed on the goal line, was that oh, same season, God, yeah, yeah, that yeah. was <laughs> the worst play call ever. <laughs> Um, I can't believe that. You got beast mode in the... Jeez. Uh, mm-hmm. I will say this, though, before we get into the NFC, is I love how the NFL kind of sets the schedules up so you play the teams in your division at the end of the season. I yeah. think it makes it a lot more fun to watch. So I look for... I'm excited to watch all these games, see how everything plays out. Uh, let's get down here now to the NFC East. So we got Dallas at 7-5, seven 6-6 and five, six and six Eagles, 6-6 six and six Redskins, the 4-8 and eight Giants. I mean, the 4-8 and eight Giants are not mathematically eliminated yet. Losing Landon Collins, I think, pretty much writes them off at they're this point. They're also the Giants. They're not mathematically eliminated, but to me, they were eliminated before the year even started. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they pretty much have to win out, and everybody in their division has to lose out in order for them to make the playoffs. Yeah. So, it's not. I don't see it happening for them. The Redskins, I mean, they have Mark Sanchez playing quarterback for them. I'm going to go yeah. ahead and scratch them off the list of making the playoffs, period. Um, the Eagles and the Cowboys, they play each other this week. It is a huge game. It's at Dallas. The way Dallas's defense is played at home, I personally don't think Philadelphia can win this game. I predicted before the season Philadelphia would win the division at 9-7. and seven. I think 9-7 and seven will be their finishing record. But looking at Dallas's and the rest of their schedule, at the Colts, at home versus the Buccaneers, and at the Giants, I think Dallas, oh, can, Dallas is going to win out. I think Dallas wins three of these games. I think they lose one of them. I mean, I don't know which one, possibly at the Colts. I don't know if they lose again. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, Dallas is a very scheduled... I mean, Dak Prescott's getting his swagger back, too. He's starting to play like the Dak Prescott that burst on the scene his rookie year. Yeah, him running the ball was the biggest thing. Like, there was a third and 11, and he just lowered his shoulder and took off and ran through. Because, I mean, Dak Prescott's a big old... He's a load. He he ran through everybody there. They've got Zeke going. He's second in the league in rushing yards. Amari Cooper, ever since he's come oh, in there, has made a great pick. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I bashed it because I said, 
said Cooper wasn't worth a first-round pick, which I still stand by, but what he's meant to Dallas at the same time, he took this team from an average team to that. I think for this team, he was worth a first-round pick. I mean, I said I said that they overpaid, but at the same time, as soon as I saw Amari Cooper go to Dallas, I picked him up in fantasy. I traded for him. Smart. I mean, like, I mean, he's... He's always had that talent, and he just hasn't been able to put it quite together in the NFL the way that people expected him to do. And since coming to Dallas so far, things have just clicked for him. He's looked incredible. I agree. And unfortunately for the Eagles, I think they will miss the playoffs. I know I said that 9-7 and seven is reasonable for them. I still will say it's reasonable, but is it feasible? It's tough. I don't think so. On the road at Dallas this week, at the Rams, I think they lose both those games. Then on top of that, they play the Texans at home. I just don't see it happening at the Redskins. That's a win. I say one and three to finish. Yeah. Eagles finish at seven and or seven and nine. Miss the playoffs. I think this is Dallas's division. I mean, it's up to them to win it. They have the favorable schedule. Everything yep. is in Dallas's favor. The way that defense plays, Jalen. See, they haven't had Sean Lee, and usually that would kill them. But Leighton Vander Esch, Van Der Esch the rookie, has been amazing. Yeah, him and him oh, and um, Jalen Smith from Notre Dame. Yeah, those two guys sideline to sideline at linebacker and in pass coverage, they are unreal. And they come up and stop the run too. This Dallas defense is legit. The defensive line too with Demarcus Lawrence. I mean, he was talking all that shit before the game against the Saints. Backed up every single word of it. The Cowboys. Yeah, he was, he was talking. I, I was like, hey, you might want to yeah. cut that out. Y'all aren't beating the Saints. And then, yeah. I don't know if they go into New Orleans and beat the Saints. Exactly. And the thing we haven't even bragged on is how stacked this offensive line is yeah. now that they have Frederick back. The Cowboys are a serious threat at home. I would be scared of them. I'm not going to lie. I slept on the Cowboys. I thought they were garbage. But this defense has been so good. They've, They've seem to the fix their offensive their problems. Right now, too. They got hot, and now they're looking <coughs> really good. Exactly. I think Dallas gets into the playoffs here, and I think they are a team I would not want to see in the playoffs mm-hmm. at all. This Cowboys team is legit, guys. Um, next, we got the NFC North. We got the Bears at 8-4, uh, and four, as predicted by me that they would be – I said they would be a contender to make the playoffs. I didn't think they would make it this year. I said their win total was a lock over 6.5 wins. I mean, that cashed two weeks ago. Well, I said the Packers were going to win this division, so I don't think my prediction is looking Really? Good. See, I took the Vikings in – with the Vikings right now, they're six five and one. They're in the last um, wild card spot. I mean, the Packers and Lions to me are done. I think yeah. that the way these schedules work out, the Bears and Vikings can get in the playoffs. I mean, they got to play at the 49ers. That's a free win for Chicago. They still have to play Rams, Packers, and at the Vikings. So, I mean, they could still lose some of these games, but I just don't see yeah. the Packers slipping in the playoffs. As well as, I mean, I think the Vikings could still win the division, but I think these two teams are set in stone to me at getting in here. I mean, they got to play at Seattle for Minnesota. Um, versus the Dolphins at the Lions versus the Bears. So, I mean, I think, yeah, both these teams, I yeah. mean, they're, they're decently hard schedules, but I think both these teams get in the playoffs. I write, write Packers and Lions off. My biggest thing is, though, Kirk Cousins has not been Case Keenum. Case Keenum yeah. was way better than Kirk Cousins, Kirk Cousins last year, and that's what's hurt the Vikings. I mean, they, they, I, I, said when they I said when they signed him, they overpaid. And people were talking about Kirk Cousins like he's a big-time, legitimate franchise quarterback. Because he had a couple good games and maybe one or two good years, like he's he's not, he's not what people are acting like he is. He's not a franchise. Well, he maybe a mid a, a mid level franchise quarterback. He's not one of the top guys. He's definitely not elite. He's a, he's a fringe top ten guy to me. 
I agree with that completely. I think him in an offensive system where he's had more than a year in the offensive system, I think that's kind of hurting him. Yeah. But when he's had a little bit more time in there, I agree with you. I think he's like in more of an 8-15 to 15 kind of yeah. quarterback. Rather than, I think if you can get in that top eight that you're elite, but in when you're they, outside they of eight, it, they paid him like he's in the top. Yeah, eight they paid. Sure. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I feel like they definitely overpaid him. Let's put it this way: Kirk Cousins came in a restaurant when I was in Johns Creek. There's about 15 people in the entire restaurant. I could have easily gone up to him, and gotten a picture with him. I'd even bother <laughs> with him if that puts in perspective of you. But my thinking of Kirk Cousins, so. I yeah, think that's oh, just Kirk Cousins. Yeah, I, I think he's been. For that. Yeah, I think he's been the big problem. The Bears have kind of rested Trubisky these last couple of weeks, so I think Trubisky's just had more time to kind of study a little he's bit more, hell get healthy. Season, mm-hmm. he's Running season. the ball, I mean, he threw yeah. for six touchdowns in one game. If you would ask me to pick which quarterback in this division throws for six touchdowns in one game, or to pick which quarterback won't throw for six touchdowns, I would have bet my life on Trubisky, Trubisky and I would have gotten killed. So yeah. <laughs> it's a good thing you didn't ask me that. But I think in the NFC South, it's pretty cut cut and dry that the Saints are going to win the division. Yeah. The Panthers at 6-6 six and six have completely fallen off. The Saints have two home games left. No one is going to New Orleans and beating them. The Panthers have so to play them Cowboys. three times. No, that was, on, that was in Dallas. Oh, though. that was in Dallas? Yeah, that was in I Dallas. Know, I don't know why. I was thinking, I've been thinking that that was at the Superdome. I mean, both are time. dome teams, so I can yeah, understand I mean, a little bit. And that, I mean, either, either way. Yeah, I mean, that makes the way, loss look even yeah. worse. Either but, way, I thought the Saints were going to win. <laughs> I actually think this loss to the Cowboys, though, was the best thing that could happen to the Saints. I think it gets them them refocused and humbles them. But I think the biggest thing that this entire NFC picture comes down to is who gets home field advantage. The Rams don't have great home field advantage. I like... I personally like the Rams to come out of the NFC. My prediction was they they would go 15-1 and this year and lose in the second round of the playoffs, the divisional round. So, I mean, that prediction looks still pretty intact. I could easily see Seattle getting them for if they play each other a third time this year. I had them going 13-3 and three and getting bounced by the Falcons, so mine's not looking too good. Right? <laughs> That's what I was hoping was going to happen, too. But I think that who has the—I think for the Rams, I think they can win if the game is in, San, or in Los Angeles. I think they have a very good chance of winning if the game's played there. But if the game is played in New Orleans, I give them no chance. I'd give no team in the NFL a chance of going into New Orleans yeah. and beating them this season. This is that was lost last week is huge. If I'm the Rams, you have to look at your schedule and say, look, we have to win out and get this bye week. We gotta leave everything on the table. They're at Chicago this week on Sunday night football. Humongous game right there. I think if they beat Chicago, they went out. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. I mean, the Eagles, Cardinals, 49ers, they pretty much went out. They control their own destiny here. If I'm them, I'm saying I'm leaving every single thing I have on the table mm-hmm. these next two weeks, and we can chill the next two weeks. I mean, you obviously, need, you need home field in advantage. the NFL, you can't take an opponent for granted, but at the same time, like you can afford to rest a couple yeah. guys and whatnot with the depth the Rams have versus the Cardinals and versus the 49ers. So, I mean, if I'm the Rams, it's you got to win these next two weeks. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, it's, hey, it's going to be fun to watch everything wind down. I mean, I can't wait. These races are setting in. Real quick about the Seahawks. I know we bragged on them a little bit earlier. I think they're an absolute lock to get a wild card position. There's no possible way they can catch the Rams at this point. There's not enough. Yeah. I mean, the Rams would have to lose out, and that's just not going to happen. So, I think Seattle and Minnesota will be your wild cards. I actually think the NFC playoff picture is pretty cut and dry at this yeah. point. I think the AFC a lot could still happen over there, but I think everything's pretty cut and dry in the With NFC. With the Panthers falling off in the NFC and mm-hmm. just kind of, they were the one team that could kind of switch it up a little bit, but with the way that they've been this past month, I think it's as good as done. Yeah, firing coaches and stuff. I mean, they're at Cleveland. They got to play the Saints twice uh, and the Falcons, who they lost to earlier in the season. So, I mean, <coughs> I could see the Panthers having an offer to finish out the season. Mm-hmm. Um, let's move here now to baseball. This is the main reason why we brought in Bid for his yeah. MLB expertise. <laughs> 
Uh, I mean, let's start it off here with the Braves. I mean, Bid works for the Braves. He's a, on the grounds crew currently, so looking to move up there. But, I mean, Braves got Donaldson, baby. I talked about it a little bit on my own podcast. How I do you? Th- I, I love it. I love it. If he stays healthy, that is huge. That may – honestly, if the Braves go get a, a solid corner outfielder, if they get a Mitch Hanniger, a, a Michael Brantley, mm-hmm. Jock Peterson, somebody like that, they're going to have the best lineup in all of baseball now. With Donaldson, a full year of uh, Ronald Acuna Jr., hopefully Ozzy can stay more consistent. It, it, it's the it's the best lineup in the National League if they go yeah. get a guy like that. I mean, that it's going to be Murderer's Row facing yeah. it. It's going to go Acuna, Albies, Freddie, Donaldson. I mean, I mean <laughs> pick your Anthopoulos did say uh, yesterday or two days ago that the plan right now, because Donaldson, most of his success in his career has been out of the two-hole. Uh-huh. So they're saying right now the plans to go right now would be Acuna, Donaldson, Freeman, and then somebody that gets acquired. Or if they go get a guy like Brantley that can lead off, mm-hmm. bump Ronald down to the four-hole and then lead Brantley off. I mean, imagine Acuna and there's, there's so, up. There's so many different. There's so many different possibilities here with this lineup. It's... Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. Acuna, oh, when the Braves sucked, I was always like, "All right, we got Acuna coming up. We got him. We're gonna be up. all right. We'll be good soon." We'll when good he soon. when he had that home run stretch, I was like, "All right, he's pretty nice." But I want to see him in the playoffs. When he hit that grand slam, I mean, I'm I, mean, I lost. It. I'm all in on the Braves and Acuna. The Falcons suck. Florida State sucks. The Hawks suck. I need the Go Braves. Braves, baby. That's another, all we got. Yeah. Another big <laughs> thing too is the fact we acquired McCann as a catcher. Look, I love BMAC. I think he's kind of old. I like Flower. Flowers did not hit the ball very well. McCann probably had his worst hitting season. Like you said earlier, Flowers is probably the best in baseball at um, framing pitches. But my biggest criticism and worry about it is that a lot of teams are going to steal bases on us. Yeah, and that's the thing. Uh, new pitching coach Rick Kranitz that they just hired, the hires mm-hmm. actually made official today. He's going to have to work on the pitch with the pitchers a lot about on their pickoff moves and on holding runners because. At this point in Brian McCann's career, he can't throw out guys like he used to. Tyler mm. Flowers has never been able to throw out guys. So, I mean, that part, from that standpoint, that's going to hurt the Braves at the catcher position. But Brian McCann, he had a down year this year. He had knee surgery. He had, uh, he had a couple different injuries. He got banged up. But he was solid the year before that. And if he can stay healthy this year, pairing him with Tyler Flowers. And Flowers may not have hit worth a lick against right-handed pitching last year, but he crushed lefties. So if they can platoon them like that and they can somehow find a way to hold runners on base, they can hit enough and they can frame well enough that they'll provide some value for this team. Yeah, I mean, I hope that's the way it works out. Like you said, we need a little help in the outfield. We could go out and get Brantley, Hanniger. I mean, anything like that, I'd love to throw another bat out in the outfield. I think pitching, though, to me is a big problem. I'd love to see the Braves. I mean, we did our top three free agents we're going to get to later. I'm going to go ahead and throw one of mine out there. Craig Kimbrell, I'd love to see the Braves go out there and get Kimbrell and throw him in the bullpen. I think it'd be fun to bring him back. We could pay him, get him on that six-year deal. What do you think? I mean, I would love it, but I don't think we're giving him a six-year deal. That's what he's asking for. I think somebody will, whether that's Boston, whether that's, God forbid, Philadelphia. I, I God, I don't want to see Craig in a Phillies uniform. But if somebody's going to give him that six-year deal. I don't think the Braves are going to uh, throw out six years for a reliever even if it is a dominant closer like Craig Kimbrell. I mean, there's so many different options out there uh, in the free agent market and on the trade market that it, it seems like it'd just be... Because they have all these other needs, too. They're, they want to start. They want a starting pitcher. They had uh, the fourth-best starters ERA in all of baseball last year, but they, they're losing Anibal Sanchez. 
Um, they a lot of these young guys are question marks. So you want to bring in a proven frontline top tier veteran, whether it be a Corey Kluber or a Madison Bumgarner, which would be the cheaper route. That here. was what I was gonna say. We should Bumgarner's only made, only scheduled to make like twelve million dollars. Yeah, so a, and he's only got one year left on his deal mm-hmm. too. So he would he would be a lot cheaper prospect wise than a guy like Corey Kluber or uh, even if they wanted to go younger for a guy like Trevor Bauer or uh, Noah Syndergaard, that would cost a that would cost a ton. Yeah, and if you look in our farm system, we probably got eight to ten solid pitchers that teams would want that um, have can, value. The Braves can fill. <clears throat> Two full starting rotations that are big league starting rotations that are worthy of starting in major league. Exactly, and looking at what we already have, I wouldn't. I'm not opposed to flipping half these guys and getting us a Kluber and a and a uh, Bumgarner in the rotation. I mean, imagine if we had Nuke, Fulty, um, Bumgarner, uh, Kluber, and then Tukey. If we don't trade, if he wouldn't get traded in one of those yeah. deals, or Soroka, or somebody like that, or even still Gosman. I mean. One of the young guys with those four. I mean, nobody's gonna hit us. We're gonna have the best hitting. I it, honestly, if I'm Anthopolis, I go do it. Yeah, I, I don't think that he'll go get two starting pitchers because I mean, they they do have a full year of Kevin Gosman too. Like that's if you look at what he did when he came to Atlanta with a sub three ERA. People calling him the next Jake Arrieta. You saw what Arrieta did when he mm-hmm. left Baltimore for uh, Chicago. So I mean, I I don't think I don't think Gosman's gonna win a Cy Young the way Arrieta did, but. If he can be a dependable number three, like low to mid three ERA guy uh, in the rotation behind Mike Fultonevich and behind a guy like Bumgarner or behind a guy like Kluber, slot him in in the middle of the rotation, then you got Sean Newcomb behind him and one of the prospects, whether it be Tukey, Soroka, Wright. They, they're going to have a good rotation again this year, and I, I really, I'm just interested to see which route they go. There are so many different options out there. I think Noah Syndergaard would be great, but it's at the same time the willingness to move in the division. The Mets have kind of balked at that. The Marlins balked. Yeah, at I also that. saw the Mets are probably not going to trade. They said they probably weren't going to trade him. I mean, yeah, but the Mets at the same like they said they're shopping him, and then they're like, oh, we're not going to trade him. And then they're next week's the winter meetings. You don't pull a guy off the table right before the winter meetings unless you want people to come to you with huge offers. The winter meetings, it it's it starts. Uh, it, Crap, I think it might start tomorrow, honestly. It starts at some point soon in Las mm-hmm. Vegas. So, I mean, I think that he's just trying to drive the price up at this point. Like, it's uh, it's kind of like what Scott Boris did at the beginning of the uh, offseason, talking about, oh, uh, Bryce Harper? No, nah, it's not going to be a whole free agent process. We've already determined where Bryce is going to go. We already know what's going on. He did that so other teams would call to try to up the price. And that's exactly what happened. Now you've got teams like the Nationals, who signed Patrick Corbin, may now be out. Still got the Phillies in on him, the Dodgers in on him, the Giants. Mm-hmm. A lot of teams are still looking at Bryce, but it's just guys lie about that to try to up their price for their client or to try to get a get more prospects for a player that they're trading off. So it's I don't buy that when he says that he's not going to trade Syndergaard because the Braves Alex Anthopoulos was happy with the infield, wasn't going to make any moves, and then mm-hmm. a week later he signed Josh Donaldson. So yeah. I mean, you got at the end of the day, you say that, but when the right price is out there, the right piece is out there, you got to go out there and make the move on it. Um, I mean, if you look at the entire NL East right now, I mean, I feel like, like you said about the Mets, see, I think the Mets also might kind of change their mind after you making the Cano trade. They kind of feel like they still have Cespedes. They still got yeah, yeah. yeah that's a lot. Of, a lot of people <clears throat> forgot about Jonas Cespedes just because he's he. I mean, he's obviously he's been healthy enough to go play golf somehow, but he hasn't been on a baseball field. If he can get off the golf course and come play baseball for the Mets next year, that's going to be a huge pickup for them because they're gonna they have a good outfield. They already have Michael Conforto. They already have um, Brandon Nimmo. 
Ahmed Rosario at short looked good down the stretch last year, but uh, that's who the Marlins are asking for because the Mets are in on Real Muto now. Mm-hmm. And that's who the Marlins are asking for is Rosario plus either Conforto or Nemo, which is just too high. The Marlins are asking Marlins asking price within the NL East for JT is unreal. They asked for Ozzy plus a top pitching yeah, prospect I saw from that the Braves. Day. Like that that's that's just not gonna happen. The Braves are not gonna give up five years of Ozzy for what, two years of JT? That's that's mm-hmm. not happening. No, I agree with you completely. I mean, the Phillies went out and got Segura. I mean, other teams are trying to make moves, especially after the Braves got Donaldson. Basically, the whole division has been trying to. Uh, the Phillies will definitely be in big time on Harper and Machado. I personally think Harper may make a little more sense for them. I think they need to add in the outfield. I kind of like Franco at third base. I mean, what do you what do you think uh, in here? See, I, I think that the Segura trade does allow them – they may be in a position now where they would prioritize the outfield more than they would the uh, the infield, but they still have some talent out there. They still have Odubel Herrera. Yep. Luckily for them, they get to move Reese Hoskins back to first base because he cannot play left field to save mm. his life. But ultimately, they're, they're still in on Manny. Ken Rosenthal was talking about that earlier today, and that's just that's what I've been saying all offseason. I think he's going to wind up there. Um, I think they'll go get Manny. I think they'll go get one, uh, one pretty big-name starter and then – uh, shore up the bullpen and add another outfielder. They got they have a lot of work to do, but I mean this this division's shaping up to be tough. With the and and back to the Mets with the Cano trade, they got Edwin Diaz too. That's like he's one of the best closers in baseball. He's like he was absolutely dominant. Probably has been the best one over the last two years. And they they gave up uh, Jared Kelenic or yeah, and they Kilenic traded Familia last year to the A's too. Yeah, and so Familia's gone, but he's a free agent now, so he yeah. could honestly sign back there. Uh, they got to they got to shore up the bullpen for sure. They have one of the best starting rotations in the league. Cano is a like people are talking about Cano being washed up. He got he got popped for steroids last year, so he has a bit of a question mark. No, he, he was, was killing the he ball was before he got and hit, and he was doing really well before that happened. Mm-hmm. So I mean, and it's not like and the thing was with the steroids that he got caught with, it was a short term deal. It's not he's been doing this his entire career and he just got caught. It was like a oh I'm starting to get old. Let me do this to try to pick myself up, and then he got caught. He was playing at a pretty high level before that. Uh, the contract that's gonna four or five years down the road from now at the end of that contract that's gonna hurt. But for the next two or three years, I think Cano's gonna still be a huge piece in the middle of that lineup for them. Yeah, I could definitely see that. I agree with you on that part about Cano being a huge piece in their lineup. I think he's still got a lot of good baseball to play. You know, I think he kind of need to get out. I mean, remember how good he was in New York. So hopefully that brings mm-hmm. a little bit back to him. Um, moving on from the NL East and the moves that could go on in there, let's talk here about another big move in the NL. That is Paul Goldschmidt being traded to the Cardinals. I personally think the Dodge or the Diamondbacks at this point are rebuilding. They've kind of yeah. blown everything up. They went out, spent the big bucks, tried to have the big team. I think Grinky's one of the next pieces that'll be ready to go. Braves could also possibly trade for him too. Yeah, I mean that would that's if the Braves don't want to dabble in the free agent market at mm-hmm. all, they could go get Grinky, eat mo- take most of his contract, and they could probably just flip a guy like Rio Ruiz, somebody a low level guy that nobody's really worried about losing at this point, and they could get Grinky because he's owed a ton of money. And the Braves could even try to expand this deal and add David Peralta to that because mm-hmm. they still have a hole in the outfield. So that'd be a good, uh, beneficial deal for both of them. One thing that I, one problem I do have with Zach Grinky though, when Yasiel Puig first came up into the big leagues, you remember how big a problem that was over there. Have you noticed that ever since Zach Grinky left, nothing negative has been said about Yasiel Puig? That is very true. Grinky wants, uh, he, Puig was 
just being Puig on the bus and Grinky like flipped out and went and threw Puig's bags into the middle of the road, went and got on the bus. And he, he didn't like that. He didn't like his personality. He didn't like the way that Puig acted. So one thing that I would worry about bringing in Zach Grinky, how's he going to feel about uh, Ronald and Ozzy in the dugout? When they mess around, they're jumping up and down, playing games in the dugout. How's he going to feel about that? Yeah, and have you also read the stories about Grinky? He's kind of an awkward guy. He's a, he's a weird guy. Yeah, he's a weird guy. Like, he doesn't <laughs> like guy. pressure and stuff, yet he's somehow yeah. good at pitching. In the yeah, m- I, it doesn't make any sense. Like, he's a real, like, he, like if, he, if you saw Greg, Zach Grinky in public, he'd probably have sunglasses on and a hood up. Yeah, he I mean, he to. looks like he's about to go shoot someplace up every time you see him. His <laughs> yeah. eyes are like, just like, his eyes are bulging out of his head. It's like, are you about to kill me, or are you about to have a heart attack? What's going on? Yeah, are you about to strike my whole team out and dominate? Yeah, like, I don't, I don't yeah. know. He could do anything. You never mm-hmm. know. No, so I mean, I agree, and I think it makes the Cardinals a big-time contender. I mean, they barely missed the playoffs last year, but when you throw a guy like Goldschmidt out into that out or into the uh, infield and just like he shakes the entire yeah, lineup they, they up for them got, so much. They just much. got a top three first baseman in Major League Baseball. Mm-hmm. They added him to Matt Carpenter, who just had a hell of a year for them. Carpenter slides back over to third base. They've got a great young outfield with guys like Bader and O'Neill. Uh, I'm guessing they'll probably try to offload Dexter Fowler's contract this year because that relationship went south really quick. But, I mean, they're a really good team. I, I, I'd i like for them to go add a guy like J.A. Hat. I think they need another uh, proven arm in that rotation. Uh, maybe add another bullpen piece or two. But I, I'm excited to see the way that Jordan Hicks develops for them. The guy's slinging 103 to 105. I'm excited to see the way that uh, he develops for them. If his off-speed pitches come around a little bit more, he could be a lethal closer. Yeah, no, the Cardinals are going to be scary. I mean, between them, the Cubs, and the Brewers, that division's going to be a shit show. It's gonna probably going to come down to about what he did this year where they had, yeah. the, had the little play. Probably come down to that. We'll probably see a wild card come out of that division, probably out of Atlanta's too. Maybe both wild cards come out of there. Who knows? I mean, it's going to be a fun race to watch. Like we said, our top three free agents, um, we kind of already touched on. I mean, we'll talk a little bit more here about Harper. I personally think Harper is going to go back to the Nationals, I think, with all the moves that they've made. Then with all the young like outfield prospects they have in town, especially Juan Soto, I think they can really bring him back, and they might even go out and get one more fielder to kind of help bring him. Yeah, I mean, if if, if they find the money, I don't know if they're going to be able to uh, find that much money to pay Bryce after, because uh, they're paying Max Scherzer a lot of money for, I think, f- I want to say four more years. Mm-hmm. And then they just uh, they, they extended Steven Strasburg a year ago, too. He's getting paid. Now Patrick Corbin just signed that big deal with him. I don't know if they'll have the money to pay Bryce, and if they do, that means Rendon definitely is walking at the end of the year because they won't be able to pay him. But if they do uh, sign Bryce, they could flip a guy like Victor Robles that has that. That's the guy that the Marlins were asking for for JT last year. They wanted him instead of Soto, and the Nats, if they re-sign Bryce, they're in a position to where they could potentially flip him. I mean, they don't need JT anymore. But there are all these other big-name guys out there at various positions that the uh, Nationals could use. And if they, they could flip a guy like Victor Robles if they brought in Bryce. So that makes a lot of sense for them. But I don't know if they're going to come up with the money. It's, uh, I think I heard a, a rumor it Magic Johnson denied it. But when there's smoke, there's fire. There was a rumor that Magic Johnson has been gearing up for a run at Bryce Harper and that they actually met up in Las Vegas last week. Uh, Magic claims that he just so happened to be there and has no real reason why. But, I mean, I think 
The Dodgers are going to be serious contenders for him. I think the Yankees will be in on him, but I think eventually, because of the Stanton contract, how much money they still owe him, I think the I think he'll, I think he's going to end up in L.A. personally, unless the Phillies swoop in and just throw four hundred million dollars at him. Yeah, I mean, regardless, I think this will be one of those record-breaking contracts. Oh, probably absolutely. Three, four, four million, four hundred million dollars. He'll be up deal. there. He'll be up there. He might. Uh, he might pass John Carlo. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Uh, who's your next up uh, free agent? Uh. Well, I don't know if he's top five. He's one of the top five offensively for sure. Mm-hmm. I think Nelson Cruz is a guy to watch. Mm-hmm. He's getting old. He's I, I think he's 38 years old, and he's still just as good as ever. He can still hit 40 home runs a year. I like a team like Tampa Bay who has no money on the books. They're not paying anybody. Coming off a 90-win season with no DH, they add a big bat like Nelson Cruz. They can make some noise, and they... I don't know if it's enough to catch Boston or catch New York, but they could slide into one of those wild card spots potentially. Yeah, uh, I could see a team like LA. I mean, those in the Angels. Yeah. I think he stays in the AL no matter what, just because, he, like you said, he's so old. I mean, he can't really play the outfield anymore. The so. only thing with the Angels, though, cause, I mean, that would make sense, but would the Angels be comfortable with playing? Well, I mean, and they they still have Otani too. Otani's mm. hitting next year, so he's got he's going to have yeah. the DH. So they won't have room for. Uh, that is true. Yeah, for. I don't really don't know what they're where he's going to end up signing, but I mean, he's going to stay in the AL and definitely oh, DH absolutely. still, one hundred percent. He's not going to be playing the field at all in the National League. Mm-hmm. Um. I've got Craig Kimbrell as one of my top three free agents that are available right now, or just one of my, just not so top three, but it's just one of my top free agents remaining. Um, I personally think Kimbrell's going to come back to Atlanta. I think our bullpen has been struggling. I think I don't know, like you said, if it'll be a six-year deal. Somebody might give it to him, but I think he could end up taking the discount to come back to Atlanta because you know he loved his yeah, time. Oh yeah, there. if his if his price drops, if he stops looking for a six-year deal, and let's say he starts looking for a four-year mm-hmm. deal, and because he's already he's on the record as saying that he loves Atlanta. He would 100% want to come play here again, especially now. Johnny Venters and Brian McCann are on this team. Yeah, he's boys. I mean, that, that's it's just got to bring back the good old days for Craig. So I could definitely, if his price drops, I think that's a great fit. But if he's gonna get six years, I think he's gonna get it from uh, either Boston or Philly. I really don't want it to be Philly. Oh man! Yeah, no, I would not want. That's I just, just I don't want to see that. That would, that would hurt my eyes. I, mm-hmm. No, that no, would, no, 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 no. That one would definitely hurt a lot. Um, Dallas Keuchel, I've got him on my list as one of my top mm-hmm. free agents. I'm gonna be honest. I think he's probably the best starting pitcher on the market. I personally yeah. would not pay Dallas Keuchel. He turned down. I think it was like a it was like a seventeen and a half million dollar option with yeah. Houston. Yeah. It was. He turned that down. I personally would not pay more money for. I mean, do you see anybody giving him more money than that? Uh, I I don't know. It, it's if the Phillies miss out on Manny Machado and Bryce Harper, then they're absolutely going to throw money at whoever the top free agent mm-hmm. remaining is. Whether that's Dallas Keuchel, Michael Brantley, Craig Kimbrell, they're going to give them whatever they want to make sure that they at least get one of the prize free agents this off season. Um, but I mean, yeah, and like you said too, the Phillies. I think it was either you or Davoud pointed out in that group chat. The Phillies are supposed to be on opening night on ESPN. Yeah, Phillies, so Phillies I mean, Braves. that means that the Phillies have something up their sleeve. It's, it's Phillies Braves, and it's two. It's two exciting young teams. Two teams that have just just recently turned the corner and are just now uh, becoming powerful forces in the NL East. Um, I think I could see Keuchel going to Philly. And, I mean, the Braves were linked to him last week. Anthopolis quickly came out and shut that down. But keep in mind, the Braves just hired Mike Fast, one of the analytical gurus from Houston. 
where Dallas Keuchel, where Dallas Keuchel really, you know, he he boomed working with Mike Fast. The analytics and the stuff that he learned that way, he refined his uh, he refined his pitches. He refined the way that he went about things, changed it up completely, and he was a completely different guy after that. So I could see Mike Fast trying to put in a word for Keuchel. Uh, I don't think Atlanta's ultimately going to go that route. I think that there's better options, especially considering all the prospects that the Braves have. I think there's better options on the trade market than there are the free agent market. But uh, while we're on the subject of free agent pitchers, now with Corbin, uh, Corbin gone, with Evaldi gone, and you already said Keuchel, I think the next best guy is probably Charlie Morton. And he said that he either wants to be somewhere close to his wife in Delaware or go back to Houston. And ultimately, I think he goes back to Houston. I agree. That's where he's had the best years of his career. I mean, he won Game 7 of the World Series in Houston. He's always going to be special down there. Yeah, I think they'll pay a little bit more to keep him yeah, around. Yeah, and I mean, he'll, I'm sure he'll happily go back there. And their their rotation is empty right now, too. Mm-hmm. They, they have Verlander, they have Cole, but McCullers got hurt. Um, I mean, they brought Colin McHugh back in the rotation, but who knows how that's going to go. He was a mediocre rotation guy when he first came up, and then he was a lights-out bullpen guy. I don't know how he's going to handle the transition back to the starting rotation. I think they need to go get a proven veteran like Charlie Morton. I mean, I can't disagree with you there. I like it. Uh, last, you're, I know you have Machado on your list, free agents. Yeah. So, I mean, let's, let's talk about it here. What do you think? I, I think he's going to Philly. I've been saying it this whole time. I know that Segura clouds that up a little bit, um, but they the front office seemed uh, like they seemed to give up on um, Michael Franco. I don't know if they're just signaling that to try to mess with other people, other teams, and get their plans kind of murked up a little bit and not as predictable. But I think they're going to move on from him. I could see. I would love for his sake for him to wind up on a team like the Texas Rangers, somewhere where he could pop up or he would uh, get consistent at bats. He would hit in the middle of the lineup, mm-hmm. and if he has a good first half somewhere like that on a rebuilding club, he's going to get flipped to a contender down the stretch. And he's always had the talent. He's always his raw powers off the charts. He's just been lazy, and he hasn't been able to. It just hasn't been able to click for him. Yeah, I'm gonna be honest. I really don't know where Machado is gonna go. I think that, like, I mean, I know I've said on Twitter and stuff that I don't think he's going to Philly. I still think though that's. I mean, you've convinced me pretty well that could be his best. This is good. I mean, it's as good an option as anywhere for him. Yeah, I mean, he's gonna go to a contender regardless. He's gonna want to pay the big bucks. I don't think the Dodgers are going to keep him just because I don't think they're going to want to trade Justin Turner. They kind of like what they yeah, got going and, with I mean, him. With, with Turner and now with Seager, Seager coming yeah. back, there's, they, don't, they don't need him. They can they – can, because uh, especially if they're paying that money, they've been linked more to Bryce than they have to Manny. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, they have six outfielders already. So if they go get Bryce – they're definitely going to flip uh, their top outfield prospect, Alex Verdugo, and probably a guy like Puig or Peterson in a deal for a guy like Kluver or Trevor Bauer. Yeah, P- Peterson's definitely out of there. I mean, he's got a lot of potential still that teams are going to want to try to tap into. One, I'm <clears throat> Look out for the Braves as dark horses for Jock Peterson. They have not been mentioned. That rumor has not gotten out at all. Mm-hmm. But Alex Anthopoulos loves guys that he's familiar with. And, <clears throat> excuse me. If the Braves don't want to pay, they don't want to give up Kyle Wright, Austin Riley, and more for a guy like Mitch Haniger. They could go get Peterson without giving up their top, top guys like that. Anthopolis is familiar with him. He loves bringing in guys he's familiar with. And that way, you keep Riley around. You can give Riley a start a week at third to rest Josh Donaldson. Mm -hmm. And they're talking about working Riley in the outfield in spring training. 
Jock Peterson destroys right-handed pitching, but he hits lefties about as well as I do. So you can start Jock against righties and then throw Austin Riley out there against lefties without missing a beat. And that's one thing the Braves are prioritizing this offseason. Because, I mean, you look at um, what happened in the playoffs. Talent-wise, they're, they're up there with the Dodgers. They got, they, they're a very talented team. But depth-wise and experience-wise, they weren't there. The Dodgers are the deepest team in baseball, and the Braves had Ryan Flaherty and Rene Rivera on their bench. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like it was just a mismatch there, the depth-wise, and I think the Braves are going to prioritize that to try to uh, build up like the Dodgers did. I like it. I could definitely see that happening. Before I let you go here, Bid, one last thing. Who do you think is the next most likely piece the Braves are going to add? Next most likely piece the Braves are going to add? I... I I'm sticking with Mitch Hanniger, man. I think it, it makes too much sense. It's a perfect fit for both teams. If the Mariners are serious about committing to this rebuild, they mm-hmm. want as much talent as they can get from Mitch Hanniger. And where better than Atlanta to get that talent? And then at the same time with the Braves, you got a hole in the outfield. You have a guy that uh, put up that was worth six wins above replacement last year that uh, hit 26 home runs, I think. Away from Safeco Field, he was one of the best. He was one of the best road hitters in the league once he got out of the cavernous uh, Safeco Field. So, so I mean, I think that's the perfect fit for the Braves. I think that I don't know if the, they'll make the deal next week or not, but at the winter meetings, I think that's definitely going to be heavily discussed, and I think that's the perfect fit for both teams. Yeah, I agree with you on that one there, but. A bit. I appreciate you coming on, man. Oh, thanks for having me, man. Yeah, anytime anything big happens, the MLB guys, you know who our guy is. We'll have him on again <laughs> here soon after the winter meetings when we get a little more clarity on everything, see how his predictions and everything went. But follow me on Twitter, guys, at Hot Takes with TP3. Keep tuning in. One last note on Michael Brantley that I promised I was going to throw in there and completely forgot about because uh, he was linked to the Braves a little bit. I just want to want to compare his numbers in Cleveland to Nick Markakis' numbers in Baltimore before coming to Atlanta. Both of them batting average in the 290s. Markakis 290, Brantley 295. Both of them on base percentage in the 350s. 358 to 351. Both of them slugging percentage in the 430s. 435 to 430. So it's an almost identical... So if, the, if history repeats itself, Michael Brantley could be a great fit for the Braves. Exactly. I love that, guys. So look for the Braves to make all these moves. Once again, follow me on Twitter, at Hot Takes with TP3. Keep tuning in. We got more good stuff coming for you all. I appreciate you all tuning in. I'll talk to you all later.